0: Thanks Adriana and it's good to have our kids with us in service. Normally they uh, have a chance to go up to Kids Church but on the last Sunday of the month we invite them to join us for church and to stay with us during the service and it's good to, to have them. Um, this week we return to our, our lectionary gospel text for our journey uh, through the end of the church calendar year. Um, it, a lot of times, as we as we uh, journey through the lectionary, and as as we have scripture readings um, like today, there there are connections between the texts. Uh, sometimes it's it's hard to kind of make that connection. How does how does the the gospel reading connect to the to the first and the second readings that are listed there uh, in in the lectionary? Um, and other times it's, it's very plain, uh, and so it's, as, we, as we journey through the rest of this year, I'm going to try to help us make connections between the different uh, texts that we find uh, in the lectionary cycle. Um, if you're interested in joining in that process, there are also daily readings that happen over the course of... Of, of the week, and so they lead up to what the text is going to be on Sunday, and, and you can make some of those, those connections yourselves. So if you're interested, you can look up the Revised Common, le, revised common Lectionary um, and look up the daily readings uh, and join us. Um, we're in year A. There are three years of the, of the lectionary cycle, uh, and we're in year A, and the Gospel text in year A. Take us through Matthew's Gospel, Uh, And so today we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21. I invite you, if you have your Bibles this morning, to turn to Matthew chapter 21. If you have a device that you uh, can look up Scripture on, you can um, get there. We'll be reading starting in verse 23 and reading through the 32nd verse. As you are able, out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, would you please stand um, as we read the Gospel text this morning? Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching. They asked, What kind of authority do you have for doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I have a question for you. If you tell me the answer, I'll tell you what kind of what kind of authority I have to do these things. Where did John get his authority? to baptize. Did he get it from human, from heaven or from humans? They argued among themselves. If we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But we can't say from humans because we're afraid of the crowd since everyone thinks John was a prophet. So then they replied, we don't know. Jesus also said to them, neither will I tell you what kind of authority I have to do these things. Then Jesus goes on to tell a parable. What do you think? A man had two sons. Now he came to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. No, I don't want to, he replied. But later he changed his mind and went. The father said the same thing to the other son, who replied, Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which one of these two did his father's will? They said the first one. Jesus said to them, I assure you that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering God's kingdom ahead of you. For John came to you on the righteous road, and you didn't believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. Yet even after you saw this, you didn't change your hearts and lives, and you didn't believe him. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So we have uh, we've departed from lectionary text for a while, for a season, as we kind of dove deeply into the, into the letter of 1 Corinthians, right? Um, it, it was a good journey. It shaped us. It helped us understand uh, what, it, what it means to be the church, what it means to become one as the church who worships Jesus Christ and who we, who we ought to be. Such an appropriate journey for us in this year where our theme is... Becoming one, becoming one. Uh, but but what have we missed? As we as we pick back up in the in the lectionary cycle, um, we miss all sorts of lessons that Jesus has given in the book of Matthew. It, it's kind of like dropping into the middle of a story. Do any of you do this? You you see a book that you like and you kind of open up to the middle. No, no. I don't. I don't know. Some of some people do that. They they want a sample of the of the writing style. Um, I don't understand those folks. I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of those. One of those people. Um, but that's kind of become the kind of the end thing. Kind of uh, there, there's this style of storytelling that's out and around these days called, that's kind of non-linear in, in focus. Uh, some of the shows that I that I watch on TV are, are kind of this way. Um, a great example is the the TV show This Is Us. Maybe some of you have seen episodes of This Is Us. But it starts in, in, in the middle. It picks up in the middle of these people's lives and, and starts telling a story and you're intrigued. And then all of a sudden they'll go back a few years or they'll go back to their childhood or they'll go back a generation. And then every once in a while it skips forward several years and your mind's just kind of like going back and forth. But well, this has become a popular way of telling a story because as you're getting to know the lives and the actions and the, and the personalities of these characters, the story writer is then able to, to head back and, and give you a picture, give you a glimpse of what's behind that action, of what's behind that attitude uh, and, and, and the origin story of the relationships that you see uh, on the screen. Um, but had we followed the gospel text in the, in the lectionary cycle, had we, had we gone, we, we would have seen these amazing teachable moments that Jesus has been having all along the way, all, all summer long. There's the, the parable of the sower. There's the weeds sown amongst the crops. There's the parable of the mustard seed. There's feedings of thousands of people. Uh, Peter's declaration of, of the Messiahship of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, and then right after that, Peter getting scolded uh, by Jesus. There's uh, the reconciliation and restoration of church members. How do we, how do, we do that? How do we, how do we navigate when we have an issue? Such good lessons in the ministry of Jesus as he goes uh, through this gospel uh, of Matthew. And here we land in Matthew 21. I, I always think this help I always think it's helpful to, to start with some context to understand where we're at in the story of Jesus' life. Um, I, I said this often that, that Matthew is is a gospel written for the Jews. Uh, and, and I and I heard someone this week talk about how Matthew is written kind of in a way of of retelling Israel's story through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we see these parallels, we see these connections from, from Matthew's gospel to the Old Testament texts and to the story of Israel as they navigate their wayward way through the Old Testament. Uh, the text today is, is no, no different, but it's, it's a tough word, um, tough word for the Jews a little bit. Uh, particularly for, for the leaders uh, and for the people in authority. Um, as we look at Matthew 21, though, we must remember that this is Jesus' Passion Week. This is, this is the Passion Week of Jesus. This is the week that he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, right? That was the day before, the triumphal entry, and people waved palm branches, and people laid down their cloaks before him as he rode this donkey, into Jerusalem, came into Jerusalem, and and their expectations for what Messiah would do would be to set the, the nation of Israel free, to go start and, and to finish finally a revolution that would bring about the good old days. Life how it was when Israel was independent. But instead of turning and going up to Herod's palace, instead of going and and setting them free, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't incite a revolution. Instead, he went to the temple. (laughs) Instead, he went to the temple and caused a ruckus there, went and flipped the tables of the money changers saying, this is supposed to be a house of worship. And that's not what you've created in this place. This was the day before, this text. And then he, then he left and went off to get a probably a restless <laughs> night's sleep. But Jesus had been put on the blacklist <laughs> at the temple. We know who you are. We know what you did yesterday. He goes back to the same place. The temple staff were like, uh-oh, here he is. They're calling on their radios. Uh, Jesus citing, sighting. He's come back. We don't have any tables left to flip over, but... Uh, I don't know, maybe the tables were back, I don't know. Um, but they certainly weren't happy to see him. And so the temple leaders had a few things to ask him this day. They were prepared. Oh, like, what gives, man? <laughs> what are you doing? Where, where do you derive this authority? Where do you think you have the right to come in and tell us how the temple ought to be run? Why do you think you have this right We live in this world where where power and prestige and influence come from all sorts of of titles and recognition and popularity and and being able to outsmart the other person. Who can get in the last word? Uh, And and the temple leaders were used to to being in charge of their turf, being in charge of their area and, and what they ran. And Jesus flew in the face of that. They were used to positional authority. The chief priests and the elders lived in this world, this world of of hierarchy, this world of I have the position and I have the title. I'm the well-connected one. I know the right people. I am of the right class and well-respected in this place. And their question to Jesus was a trap. Uh, They often tried to catch Jesus in in what he would say and tried to get him to say the wrong thing. They were wanting to catch Jesus in his answer this day. And clearly there were some options. Uh, uh, Jesus had been been gaining popularity in in the people's minds. He had just been lauded as he came into Jerusalem. They had waved palm branches. They had laid their cloaks down on, on the road before Jesus. People didn't do that for the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law. The people had shown, had given some authority in that way as he entered into Jerusalem. He could have answered that, that his authority came from God. The problem here is that tradition was on their side, right? It's easy to criticize the temple leaders, but sometimes... We get stuck in that same attitude. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always been. They had tradition on their side. They were the ones looked to in community as the ones with God's authority and privilege. The most accurate answer probably would have been Jesus just saying, by my own authority and, and claim to be uh, the, um, the authority on his own. But to claim that in the public squ- square would have been scoffed at, right? Like who speaks by their own authority? Uh, this was home court advantage for the temple leaders. And who was this guy from Galilee who would have been laughed at and mocked? But it's here that we come to Jesus' response. Uh, In good rabbinical fashion, just like Jesus, instead of answering the question with an answer, Jesus answers the question with another question. Uh, Unlike many places, though, Jesus promises an answer where if you just give me an answer to this question, then I'll go ahead and and give you an answer. I'd really like to know what his answer would have been, (laughs) but we didn't get there. Um, and he says, talk to me about John the Baptist. Where did, where did he get his authority? At first glance, this is a brilliant question, okay? And we get a little bit of this in the text. People liked John. The people who had gathered at the temple, the people who had gathered to be taught, liked John. He had been arrested by Herod, Right? We know the story. Her- arrested by Herod, killed by the request of Herodias' daughter, and had become a martyr for those who wished to follow Jesus. And this is the very reason they needed a Messiah, because this is how they were being treated. This is how the Jewish people had, had, had been treated by Herod and, and by the established authority and government of the day. They needed to break free from this. So the teachers, of the, the teachers of the law didn't want to disparage John the Baptist. Didn't want to say, oh, his authority just came because a bunch of people went out to the desert and got baptized by him. But it didn't really mean anything. The people would have been frustrated. But they also didn't want to legitimize John's ministry. He had been out baptizing people in the Jordan, causing a stir, saying there's one who's, who's coming whose sandals I am not fit to even carry. The brilliance of this answer is, is in the text. It, the, the gospel writer tells it, tells it to us. If we say his authority is from God, they will ask, why don't we believe John? Why, why didn't you validate his ministry when he was here? If we say it was human authority, <laughs> the crowd might hurt us. It might attack us. So on the surface level, Jesus' answer is really brilliant because it gets them to be quiet. <laughs> but there's a deep theological work and understanding that's at play in this passage. And I think it's timely for us, but it can go unnoticed. When questioned about authority, Jesus doesn't hang his hat on, on Many things that we tend to reply on, t- tend to rely upon. On tradition, on authority, on position, on popularity, on recognition. Jesus does none of these things. He doesn't pull out the key to heaven's gate and say, see, I'm <laughs> getting in. He doesn't show his God ID card. He doesn't have legions of angels come and sing for them all and say, see, here's, here's my Here's my authority. Remember when he got baptized, he doesn't have God to come down, the God the Father come and say for a second time, this is my son whom I love. You should listen to him. That's, that happened in Matthew chapter 3. Any number of these things would have convinced the crowd, would have shut the, shut the teachers up, would have shut the leaders up. Might have convinced some of them, probably not. They were used to their authority. They probably would have found some way to invalidate it. What does Jesus do? He aligns his authority up with John the Baptist, who had no authority at all. He aligned his authority up with John the Baptist, who in essence had no authority at all. And said, if you want to know about my authority, look to John the Baptist No one does this. No one does this. No one says, uh, if you want to know about my authority, look to this person who was a nobody. Yet this is what Jesus did. This was the way of Christ. Remember the scripture we read today from Philippians chapter 2? Though he was in the form of God, did not consider being equal to God something to exploit. He was emptied. As a slave, he was humbled. He obeyed even to the point of death, death on a cross. This is our crucified Messiah. This is the one that we follow. This is the cruciform, canonic leader. We follow Jesus Christ. Cruciform is an is a, is a interesting word, in, uh, literally meaning in the shape of a cross. When we talk about Jesus, talking about the humble, sacrificial leadership of Jesus Christ, the one who emptied himself and became nothing and was just obedient. Sometimes today in the world, I think we are too obsessed with. All the traditional forms of authority that, that remain and that are out there. Uh, a little too preoccupied with being aligned with the winner, being aligned with, with holding power, with winning the vote. I'm all for social engagement. I I think that we need to be citizens in this world and in this country in which we live. This is not a call to go hide our heads in the sand and let the world destroy itself. It's not what this is. What this is is we align our authority up with the crucified Messiah, the one that hangs on the cross and like Jesus, when when authority is questioned, we don't have to defend ourselves. We have a quiet and steady and commit consistent commitment to following Jesus Christ. I'm reading this book by by Tim and Shauna Gaines about about Second Kings, uh, and they talk about how. Uh, we still must be invested in, in, in the processes of this world, but, but our authority comes from a place that is so otherworldly, from another place, from something that doesn't make sense in this world. They were talking about how Elijah in the Old Testament, when, when he was finally taken up to heaven, he had Elisha beside him. And some of you may know this story. And, and Elijah asked this prodigy, this one that was following him, what would you ask for? And he says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Uh, and, and, And out of this transition, Elijah had been the one that Israel had been listening to. Elijah had been the one who had gone before kings and said, we need to repent. We need to turn around. That the instruction from God wasn't coming from the leadership. But from this crazy guy who just seemed to be connected to God. And out of this transition, uh, you look at different, different versions of the Bible, but it says his coat was passed on to Elijah, or his mantle had been passed on to Elisha after he was taken up to heaven. And when Elisha returns and the people say, here he is, he's coming, but there's only one Elijah had been taken up to heaven. Elisha comes back wearing the mantle that had been worn by Elijah. And the imagery is this, that the authority that Elijah had in the nation of Israel had now been rested upon Elisha. And he would now be the one connected to God. That there's, there's clearly some difficulty that the one in power and the one with position and the one with prestige sometimes struggles to hear the voice of God. And that sometimes we turn to the one with no authority at all. And I see in Jesus Christ, the one who had all the authority in the world to say, I have the authority. I am God. I am the one that was sent by my Father. Not needing to defend himself, but tying instead his authority to the one that had been martyred for his faith and killed by the establishment, the ones with power. likeness, being like Christ, has nothing to do with winning. Instead, it calls us to love neighbor. Instead, it calls us to seek justice and peace, to be humble and to be about the business each day of bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. doesn't make any sense. You say, preacher, this doesn't make any sense. You're right. doesn't make any sense at all, but this is what Jesus did. First he flipped the tables, (laughs) lauded by this crowd and celebrated. They thought the Messiah had come, and indeed the Messiah had come, and they thought he was headed to Herod's palace. They were ready to follow. He takes a detour heads to the temple and said, this is supposed to be a place of worship. But look what it has become. He left for a restless night of sleep, came back, tied his authority to a martyred prophet who the temple leaders just (laughs) didn't know what to do with. Probably when John the Baptist was out of the picture, they probably sighed a sigh of relief. Is it any wonder Is it any wonder that by the end of the week, Jesus would end up on the receiving end of their attacks and be crucified by the temple leaders who used the authority of the government to get rid of this next guy who was messing up their plans? For us, how do we resist this urge to align ourselves with the winner, with with power and authority, and instead, how do we, like Jesus, align ourselves with a person who doesn't make sense in this world, a martyr, our crucified Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ, who we worship and who we follow and who we serve, derived his authority from something that looked completely different from what the world has known. And I don't know about you, but for me, that gives me great hope. And I'm so grateful and so thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we worship you. for how you have provided for us and how you have given to us how you've led us today we worship you and we thank you for who you are and all that you have done would you be with us would you be with us in our lives as we try to to model our lives after the way that you lived yours in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense, that that looks so unusual, that looks so different from the world. And the ways in which we are able to accomplish that, God will praise you and will worship you. Give us grace to live that way, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. As we uh, dismiss today uh, and as you're able, would you extend your hands to receive uh, the benediction this morning. May our lives today be modeled after and find their authority in our crucified and cruciform Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.